You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Are they seeking him for who he is and what he has accomplished and what he has done for us or what he can do for us? The inhabitants of this land couldn't learn anything about God from the people because they didn't leave anything behind. All they left behind were idols, golden calves. There was no evidence. There was no evidence of who God was. When the rapture happens, what are people going to find out about you? If you seek God with your own selfish gain as the end goal, you'll end up finding a different God. That's God with a little g. The one true God, capital G, is not a cosmic vending machine. He doesn't exist for our sake. As Pastor Dave will remind us in today's message, we exist for His glory, honor, and pleasure. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Kings chapter 17 as he continues his message, The God of the Land. have original sidewalks there that you know Jesus walked on those. There's something special about that place. Something special about that place. God regards it as special. I mean, read through the Bible. Read through the Bible. God is not going to let anything happen to the nation. And what did he say to Abraham about Israel? Those who bless you, I will bless. Those who curse you, I will curse. Regarding to the land that he was going to send Abraham to. God regards Israel as special. It's the apple of his eye. And he regards it as special. And he holds anyone accountable. Jew or Gentile. Israelite or other nation. Holds them accountable. Who live there. If they do not fear him. It's interesting. It's interesting. Again. As I sought this, many people seek the Lord during hard times, as we said. But are they seeking him for a quick fist and out of the circumstances? Or are they seeking him for who he is and what he has accomplished and what he has done for us or what he can do for us? The inhabitants of this land couldn't learn anything about God from the people because They didn't leave anything behind. All they left behind were idols, golden calves. There was no evidence. There was no evidence of who God was. When the rapture happens, what are people going to find out about you? What are you going to leave behind that people would see? Is there enough evidence in your house to convince people that you might be a Christian? Well, it's interesting. But people seek God in the midst of circumstances. And this was what's happening here. They were seeking God. God, or asking about the God of the land because of the lions. They weren't asking about the God of the lands because they wanted to know God. They were asking about the God of the land so they could get rid of the lions. They didn't want to get eaten. Can't blame them on that, but look at verse 27. 
Then the king of Assyria commanded, saying, Send there one of the priests whom you brought from here, from there. Let him go and dwell there, and let him teach them the rituals of the God of the land. So the king comes up with a solution, and he sends a priest. He'll teach the occupants about the God of the land. He'll teach them all about this God. It's interesting that the Assyrian officials seem to know what they needed. They seem to know what Israel didn't know. That they had to honor the God of Israel. They had to honor the God of the land. Yet, by any faith in God that the resettled people held was founded on the fear of the lions, not on him. They had an inadequate relationship with God. And it was based on the fear of the lions. The fear of the circumstances, not the fear of God. And it's interesting, they're going to send someone there. (laughs) They're going to send someone to teach about God who really didn't know about God himself. And he was a priest from Israel. Let's read 38, uh, 28 to 33. Then one of the priests whom they had carried away from Samaria came and dwelt in Bethel, Bethel and taught them how they should fear the Lord. However, every nation continued to make gods of its own and put them in the shrines of the high places which the Samarians had made, every nation in the cities where they had dwelt. The men of Babylon made Sukkoth, Benoth. The men of Kuda made Nergrel. The men of Hamath made Ashima, and the Avites made Nivhaz and Tarkak, and the Seravites burned their children in the fire of Amdramalech and Ammonamalech, the gods of Seraphim. So they feared the Lord from the very class they appointed for themselves, priests in the high places who sacrificed for them the shrines of the high places. So they didn't really fear God, they were just doing, going through the motions. This priest goes to the northern kingdom of Israel and he begins to teach the people about God. But there was a problem. He could only teach them what he thought he knew about God. He could only take them so far. He didn't know the one true living God. Why? Because God had been removed from the nation by the past kings and he was never brought back by the present king. God had been removed. God had been taken out. It was no longer Jehovah, God. It was this idol, that idol. It was Baal. It was everything else except the one true living God, the one who brought them out of Egypt. They were worshiping everything else. This reminds me that in my heart, God is slowly being removed from the United States. Look, think about it. Prayer in the schools. Daily scripture readings, moments of silence. Coaches can't pray with their teams before a game or any of that. You can have no demonstrations that point to God. They removed the Ten Commandments from the walls of city buildings. There's no prayer before council meetings. God is replaced by whatever you want to worship. They've replaced God with ever whatever you want to worship. We've been, we were founded on Christian Judeo values. Our forefathers, our founding fathers were Christians. But we've gotten so far from that. God is being taken out of the picture. God is being removed. Just like he was in Israel that that time. They had taken him out. So this priest comes and he tries to teach these people about the fear of the Lord. But he does only to halfway. He's basically saying, this is the fear of the Lord that you obey the law of Moses. And you can still worship these idols. You can still worship these idols. That's what's good. You can still do that. Even though the people were afraid of the lions and the consequences, they continue to serve other gods. 
They continue to serve other gods. Sadly, I see the same thing happening today. You know, we're going through a hard time. People begin to seek the Lord. But when things calm down, they immediately go back to their old ways. Everybody else on their knees when the things are rough. But when things get better and things, they go back to their old ways. Well, the Lord got us through that. Now I can do whatever I want. That's what I think I'll do. They have a fear of the Lord, but it's not based on the consequences of their circumstances. There's no repentance. There's no change in their life. Remember, godly sorrow leads to repentance. It's godly sorrow. I love what Gusick said here. I want to quote him. Quote, This accurately described the pagan peoples who repopulated Israel. This accurately described the northern kingdom of Israel before they were conquered and exiled. This accurately describes common religious beliefs in the modern world, unquote. There is but one true God. There is no other God but one true God. The idea of pluralism, all roads lead to God, all religions lead to God, is incredibly false. Yes, in our country, you are free to worship any way you like. You are free to do that. But as Christians, we believe, according to Acts 4.12, there's no other name under heaven among by which men must be saved. And that name is Jesus Christ. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. So yes, there are many, many other religions. There are many other ideas out there of how to get to heaven. But we know as Christians that we believe there is only one true way. And that is through Jesus Christ, the God, the Father, the creator of the world, the creator of the universe. Not all roads lead to heaven. We're not all serving the same God. There's a difference in the gods that we serve. There's a difference. You need to do some studying on that. You need to read about the gods that other people serve, other religions, big religions, and the gods they serve. You need to read about it and look up on it. They don't serve the Lord Jesus Christ. They don't serve the one true living God. They do not. The people who lived in Samaria at that time, and some of them were Jews because not all the Jews were taken away. There was a remnant there. They should have known better. But because they didn't have God in their life, they had nothing to fall back on. They didn't know about God. I heard of a missionary once in India who went into this village, this remote village in the jungle, and he went in there and he said to the people, have you ever heard of Jesus Christ? And the people said back to him and said, no, we've never heard of that. He must live in another village. They had absolutely no knowledge of God, no knowledge whatsoever, but yet, They had all these pagan rituals all around the place. They had all these things. They had a witch doctor. They had all these sorts of things that they worshiped. Man's going to worship something. We're born to worship something. And it's God who we are born to worship. But if they don't know, if they don't know, I'm thinking of that, just thought of that. I love how when the Lord does that to me. Romans 10. In Romans 10, It says, because Israel rejected the gospel. But in Romans 10, beginning in verse 14, it says, How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how then shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? And it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. 
but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, who has believed, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. I contend that the word of God is being squashed and removed from the nation, our nation. The word of God is being removed. Where it used to be commonplace, now it's being removed. The people who lived in Samaria that day appointed priests. They rose up and appointed their own priests. And these priests ignored God and God's standard taught by Moses. They set up their own ceremonies. They integrated other beliefs into their worship system. There was something for everybody, you know, whatever works kind of attitude. It didn't matter what you believe or how you worship, as long as you were religious. Sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? Sadly. I love what F.B. Meyer here, I like F.B. Meyer. Quote, are you sure this is not a true description of your own position? Ooh. You pay an outward difference to God by attending, you pay an outward deference to God by attending his house and acknowledging his day whilst you are really prostrating yourself before other shrines. In other words, are you just giving God lip service? Do you just come here on Sunday morning as a religious activity, as a religious duty? Or dear, is there another reason why you come? Interesting thought, isn't it? Interesting thought. Israel never learned their lesson. Israel never learned their lesson. They did not learn their lesson. Go back to 2 Kings, and we'll finish out this chapter. I'm going to read 34 through 41. To this day, they continue practicing the former rituals they do not fear the Lord, nor do they follow their statutes or their ordinances or the law and the commandment which the Lord had commanded the children of Jacob, whom he named Israel, with whom the Lord had made a covenant and charged them, saying, You shall not fear other gods, nor bow down to them, nor serve them, nor sacrifice to them. But the Lord, who brought you up from the land of Egypt with great power and an outstretched arm, him you shall fear, him you shall worship, him you shall offer sacrifice. And the statutes and the ordinances, the law and the commandments, which he wrote for you, you shall be careful to observe forever. You shall not fear other gods. The covenant that I have made with you, that you shall not forget nor shall you fear other gods. This is about the third time he said, nor shall you fear other gods. He's trying to make a point here. But the Lord your God you shall fear, and he will deliver you from the hand of all your enemies. Listen to that. The Lord your God you shall fear, and he will deliver you from the hand of all your enemies. However, they did not obey, but they followed their formal rituals. So these nations feared the Lord, that they served their carved images, also their children, their children's children, have continued doing as their fathers did, even to this day. This is not a pretty picture. This is not a pretty picture at all of what's going on here. But I love the way the Lord's talking there. I love the way the Lord is talking there. He said, if you did this, you know, even, when we, even way back when we looked at Joshua, when we looked at Joshua... Again, in Joshua 1, 
when the Lord was talking to Joshua, getting ready to send, send him out, in verse 8 of chapter 1, he said, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate it day and night, and you may observe to do all that according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The same, he hasn't changed. God hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. What is he looking for? He's looking for us to fear him. What does that mean in this day and age? It means to reverence him, to be in all of him, and to look at him as a good, good father, the father of all things, the, the creator of the universe, who loved you so much that he would send Jesus Christ, his only son, to die for you. So do we look at him in that way? And the area of northern kingdom of Israel was not preoccupied by Judah before Judah itself was carried away because of their sin. This, this mixed religion, first promoted by the Assyrians, continued for many, many centuries in Samaria, even into New Testament times. Hence the fact they were called names by the Jews of Jesus' time. They were called half-breeds because they came in and they did intermarry with the Jews that were there. But it seems like God was even more lenient with these Sumerians than he was with disobedient Israel. What does this teach us? This teaches us that those who have more revelation for God are held to a stricter standard. Held to a stricter standard. And when we read in 2 Chronicles 30, verses 10 to 19, that in the days of King Hezekiah, who's next in line for our study, there were some worshipers of the true God among the area of northern Israel. Some responded to the invitation to even celebrate Passover. So there were some in there. The remnant still exists. But the Lord makes it clear. He says, but the Lord your God, you shall fear, and he will deliver you from all your enemies. And the person who wrote this reminded us that if Israel had been faithful, even moderately faithful, God would have protected them. They would still be standing, even if they'd been this much faithful to God's covenant. God would have delivered them from their enemies, but they were not. They rebelled against God. They were stiff-necked, and they were conquered by the Assyrian Empire after their own self-destruction and sin and rebellion. And even with the chastisement of the Lord, the people continued to worship the Lord along with other gods. They did it their way, Frank Sinatra. They, they ignored their own history as a people of God delivered from the hands of, of Pharaoh. They forgot God's law, especially his commandments concerning idolatry. You know, look at today. Those of us who profess to be Christians today, just like the people of Israel worship the Lord how and wherever they pleased, we do the same thing. Say we worship God, and then we're off worshiping something else. When we mix religions and beliefs, it leads to disaster. When we mix religion and belief, it makes us lukewarm. Too much of the world to be happy in Christ. Too much of Christ to be happy in the world. We become lukewarm. And you remember what Jesus said about those who are lukewarm. 
I would rather have you be hot or cold. If you're lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. Not a pretty picture of what he thinks about. Sadly, as we've read through the Gospel of John, specifically when we visited the woman at the well, the Jews ended up hating the Samaritans. They ended up hating them and despising them because they were half-breeds. Because by that time, the Jews that were left there intermarried and they had children and they became half-breeds. But they were still worshiping up on the mountain. Remember the woman? Our fathers say you have to worship on this mountain. They were not only half-breeds racially, they were half-breeds religiously. They believed in God, but they served him however they wanted without a whole heart. And because of this, the Jews despised them. I pray, and my prayer for you, brothers and sisters, as we go through this time, that this doesn't describe you. This does not describe your relationship with our loving, living God. That your relationship with our God is 100% on your part. God has already given you 100% of him on the cross. Already has given 100% of you. He's already shown you how much he loves you. God demonstrated his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Jesus died on the cross. So God has already proven how much he loves you. It is my prayer that you are serving him with every ounce of gusto you have, every ounce of your soul, your faith, your body, your strength that you have. You're serving him, loving him, and not serving other gods while you're serving the Lord God. It's my prayer. Please, don't be lukewarm. Don't be the church of Laodicea. Do not be lukewarm. Because you see what's happening today with this coronavirus. This is just a setup for what's going to happen in the future. It's just a setup, I believe, for what's going to happen in the future. The end times are here. We are living in them. And it's a great time to be alive so that others can get to know Jesus Christ because of you. and Because of the love you have for them. So we went through these scriptures. We looked at them. And we've struggled through them because they're all wicked kings. But praise God, coming to chapter 18, we're going to meet a good king. One that says, and he did right with his inside of the Lord, according to all that his father David did. And he removed the high places and the bronze sacred pillars and cut down the wooden images and broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until those days, the children of Israel burned incense and called it Nehushtan, a thing of brass. We're going to meet Hezekiah, a good and righteous king. So my friends, I feel like J. Vernon McGee, my dearly beloved, because you are. You are my dearly beloved, and I love you so much. And we miss you terribly here. We wish we were all together, but we're not. And we're going to make do with what the Lord has given us. So spend some time in prayer. Take the scriptures that we studied today. Reread them for yourselves. Let the Lord minister to you through his Holy Spirit, as he so wonderfully does. Let, let the Lord show you great and marvelous things through his word and let him lift you up to heights that you've never seen. You are our time with you today has come to an end on a sure hope. But in our next edition, Pastor Dave Shank will continue teaching through the book of 2 Kings. In the meantime, you can listen to more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. 
You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search for A Sure Hope and see the latest editions as soon as they're posted. If you're enjoying these teachings and would like to get more involved with the church behind this ministry, we'd love to meet you at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We gather each week for a time of worship and Bible study. Our service times are Sundays at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. Feel free to give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609 609- 884-5821. Otherwise, you can visit assurehoperadio.com for directions and more details. If you prefer email, go ahead and email us with any questions at info at capewatchradio.com. You might be interested in knowing that for those who aren't able to come in person, we're streaming our services on Facebook Live and on YouTube Live. Just look for a link on our website at assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for listening to today's message in the book of 2 Kings. We're looking forward to the next edition as Pastor Dave will share more from this Old Testament book about the rise and fall of many kings. There are lessons to be learned about leaders who were just people. May what you hear give you a sure hope.